Hey guys, welcome in to the Wolverine Recruiting Live Show, the first ever live show dedicated to recruiting on the Wolverine. So we're really, really excited uh, to bring you guys this show. Uh, as always, I am EJ Holland, if I didn't say that. Uh, you can find us over at the Wolverine, like it says down below. Sign up for the Wolverine.com right now for one year. You get all you know your premium access to recruiting information, team information for just one dollar. It's a perfect time to sign up as we head into the season. We'll have fall official visits. We'll obviously have uh, some great team coverage as well. And as always, ask your questions. Uh, you know, remember to to get on the comments, log into your YouTube account, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. It's completely free. Um, and get your comments in. I'll answer your questions, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a, a great time. We already have a question. This one comes from G Spinks five seven four, and he asks, "Are there any visitors this weekend that we should know of?" I think you'll see some of the local commits come in, uh, Samaj Morgan, Cole Cabana, guys like that. But I think uh, you know some of the bigger visit weekends will be Hawaii. Uh, UConn will have a, a couple of big official visitors uh, or unofficial visitors, I should say. Um, and then Michigan State, Penn State in October will obviously have a ton of visitors, both official and unofficial. But this weekend, I would expect a smaller group of recruits as we get towards Friday. I'll have a full list over at the Wolverine. But as it stands right now, I wouldn't get overly hyped for this weekend when it comes to recruiting. Of course, you can get overly hyped that football is back in the big house. It should be a great experience and a great atmosphere, uh, you know, against a, a lesser opponent. But it's it's Michigan football. We're all excited. So uh, it's going to be a fun time in Ann Arbor. But from a recruiting standpoint, I think the Hawaii game will be the first um, big weekend uh, where you'll see guys like Jaden Davis come in. It looks like Chris Peel is switching around his OVs, might come in that weekend instead. Jordan Ship, Shannon Goodwin. Talk, we'll talk about all the Providence Day guys uh, later on. UConn will have so, some bigger notable guys. And then in the Michigan State, Penn State is when you'll really uh, start seeing the visitor list ramp up. I actually just got a text right now uh, from On 300 2024 defensive back Jacob Odin, who just let me know that he will be at the first game. So there you go. Some breaking news on the uh, on the Wolverine live show. And Odin's really an interesting prospect. He's the son of former Wolverine Rod Odin, who was a walk-on fullback uh, for Michigan in the 90s. Jacob, obviously being a legacy recruit, is very, very high on Michigan. I had a chance to see him uh, at numerous off-season events, uh, including several this summer. And he's just a really high floor guy. He's not a super long, tall safety, um, but he's well built in both his upper and lower abs. Has really come along physically. Uh, great natural instincts. Great uh, guy that plays on the ball. Um, really love what Jacob Odin brings to the table. I'd actually be interested to see what he can do at corner as well. Um, but the things that stand out to me are his technique, his football IQ, uh, and obviously, you know, grew up around the Michigan program with his father having gone to Michigan. And and Rod Odin is actually the head coach at his high school, Harper Woods. So he's the son of a coach. He's just been around the game a long time, as you can see 
his on three profile here, uh, an on 300 uh, kid on on three and just nationally across the board by all recruiting services, a top um, 200 players. So Jacob will be at least one big visitor uh, on campus for the opener. I would expect more local flavor for the opener as opposed to uh, national guys. But it looks like we have some more questions coming in. Uh, this one comes from Lemonade. What's the news on Javian Toviano? And do we have a shot with Jeremiah Love? Let's go. Your second question first. Uh, does Michigan have a shot with Jeremiah Love? Right now, I would say probably not. I think Michigan's on the outside looking in. Steve Klinkscale is still working on him. Remember, Jeremiah Love, a top 150 recruit nationally, uh, rated as a running back. Most schools want him as a running back. Michigan has been recruiting him on the defensive side of the ball. They hosted him for an official visit in the summer. But right now, it looks like Notre Dame is emerging as the favorite. Texas A&M and Alabama might be ahead of Michigan as well. So right now, I wouldn't have too much optimism with love uh in terms of jv and toviano i still think michigan's a dark horse there but they have to get him back on campus this fall and that's going to be tough just because he has to make an unofficial visit to michigan so right now he's again just taking one official visit that being uh to ann arbor so he has four remaining he plans to take all four of those trips this fall before making a decision. So that doesn't ha leave a lot of weeks for him to get up to Ann Arbor on his own dime to make an unofficial visit. So that has me less optimistic than I was in the summer. I felt if Toviano made a decision in September, then Michigan would have a more realistic chance. But right now, um, I think Michigan's more of a dark horse as opposed to a, a top, top contender. You're going to have the local schools, Texas and Texas A&M uh, involved. LSU uh, has really emerged as a strong, strong contender this summer. And then you have Oregon. We all know that Oregon is doing really, really well with NIL. Um, so I think Oregon's going to get them on campus for an official visit. Um, so it'll be interesting if he makes it back to Ann Arbor that he's he'll We'll definitely watch that. I think that'll be a sign that he's truly, truly interested in Michigan. If he does not make it back to Ann Arbor, then that'll be tough. But he is a priority target on the cornerback board, and Steve Klingscale is continuing to work hard on the Lone Star State native. Let's go to another question. Is Michigan looking at Belleville quarterback Bryce Underwood? Yes. So for those of you that don't know, Bryce Underwood is an elite talent in the 2025 class, has an early offer from Michigan, a huge kid with a huge arm. I mean, Bryce uh, led Belleville to a, a state title as a 14-year-old freshman, and he has an absolute cannon. I saw him several times this offseason, and I saw him last year start as a freshman, and he's phenomenal, man. He can just Chuck the hell out of the ball. I mean, he throws the long ball with the best of them. Uh, even in Las Vegas this offseason at the overtime event, the overtime seven-on-seven seven event, which featured a lot of national recruits, I thought Bryce Underwood was one of the best quarterbacks there. Uh, I think he's continuing to improve his accuracy and his throwing mechanics. He works with uh, Donovan Dooley, who does a great job uh, with in-state quarterbacks, and I, I think you're seeing the progression there. And uh, I, I think Bryce is going to definitely be a top 100 prospect in the nationally and obviously the uh, best prospect in the state of Michigan in 2025. But it'll be interesting to see how quarterback recruiting shakes out. Um, 
you know, if Michigan's able to land Jaden Davis, will another elite quarterback want to come in right after Davis? And so there are a lot of quarterback targets in 2025. It's not just Underwood. You have guys like Ryan Montgomery, uh, Stone Saunders, who I just saw this weekend, uh, Cutter Bowley, uh, who, who came in for the barbecue at the big house. So there are quite a few um 2025 quarterbacks it's obviously still early quarterback recruiting has been a hot topic of discussion with Michigan having missed uh, on Dante Moore in 2023 and now putting all their eggs in the Jaden Davis basket in 2024 so I think 2025 quarterback recruiting will be uh, really important and something to watch but yes Bryce Underwood definitely a guy that Michigan really likes early on I expect that one to be a national recruitment let's go ahead and go to another question. Another question. This one comes from Chase Speckman. Is it true that South Carolina is pulling ahead in the recruitment of Nicholas Harbor? So Harbor was going to be our first topic of discussion uh, tonight before you guys just came in and the chat hot and heavy loaded with questions. So we appreciate that. We're glad you guys uh, are, are hopping in the chat and participating. We want to make this a fun, engaging show. We want to hear your ideas on how to make this an engaging show. Uh, but let's go ahead and focus in on Nicholas Harbor. I obviously had a chance to see Harbor over the weekend in Washington, D.C. for his season opener. Uh, now his team, Archbishop Carroll, fell to Gonzaga and Evan Link. Um, in a pretty bad loss, Harbor was kind of broken up about it after the game. I, I did catch up with him, got an interview with him, but his answers were, were more limited. I'm going to go back and see Harbor um, later on this fall, probably next month. He's not too far away from where I'm currently living, so uh, excited to see him again. But in terms of his recruitment, I still think Michigan is a major player for Harbor. They've always been around the top of his list. They offer a great blend of elite education and elite athletics, and that's exactly what Harbor is looking for. He's a 4.0 student. His father works for NASA, so he's a guy that does value education. Obviously, on the football side, he values development. Michigan has put several guys in the league over the last several years. Jim Harbaugh coached in the NFL. That's something that is appealing to Harbor as well. Um, the track aspect is something that's interesting, though. Uh, you know, Ann Arbor isn't necessarily a hot spot for track. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's more friendly for a guy that wants to one day run in the Olympics to run track uh, maybe in the south uh, where the climate is better for that. And so LSU and South Carolina have both become really appealing options uh, for Harbor. I think I, I've actually been pro South Carolina for a while in terms of them being ac an actual player in this recruitment. I think a lot of people have dismissed South Carolina up until now, but I was actually in the DMV making a spring swing when South Carolina was at his school recruiting Harbor. And uh, from everything I was able to gather during my time around the DMV, it was, hey, South Carolina is becoming a player here. Uh, they have a new uh, coach that works with edges and outside linebackers, uh, Sterling Lucas, I believe. And he does a, he's done a terrific job with, uh, with Nicholas Harbor, recruiting him, recruiting those around him. I think they've done a great job uh, of selling NIL and selling track. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm buying that South Carolina is maybe not pulling ahead, but I think they've 
pulled right up to to the top spot, uh, you know, along with a Michigan, along with an LSU. I don't think there's a clear leader for Harbor right now with Harbor wanting to make all of his official visits in the fall. Um, I think we still have a long way to go in this recruitment. He told me that he's not going to make a decision until closer to signing day, um, maybe in December. So a lot will depend on how his visits go. I think one interesting tidbit in regards to the South Carolina buzz that's heating up here is that Harbor plays a lot of his games on Saturday this year, uh, which means he doesn't have a ton of opportunities to get out for official visits or he'll have to miss a, a game with his team. And for the South Carolina official visit, that's actually set on the 16th. It'll be interesting to see if Harbor misses a game to you know, spend extended time um, in Columbia. Uh, I'm wondering if he's going to just go up there Friday and then rejoin his team on Saturday or, you know, how that's going to work out. But it is interesting that he's working around a game day for South Carolina as opposed to LSU, where LSU, he had a visit set and he told me he's probably going to cancel and reschedule for later in the fall or into the winter. Now, Michigan is getting him in for the Maryland game. I believe he plays on a Friday that weekend, so he'll be at Michigan Saturday and Sunday. So we get to experience, um, you know, a great game day atmosphere in the big house. Uh, But yeah, I I think his official visit schedule uh, will determine a lot, but it is interesting that he's working around a game to get to South Carolina and the South Carolina buzz. I do buy, I do think it's real. Uh, but on, on the positive front, I do think there's a long way to go in that recruitment. And he is obviously Michigan's most important target in 2023. And later in this show, I'm sure we'll talk uh, a lot more about Harbor and my time seeing him on the road. Let's go ahead and get to another question. Um, this one comes from IJ it says with a successful season, can Michigan finish in the top 10 in the recruiting rankings? Um, I think top 10 is going to be a little difficult. Just looking at how Michigan has started this cycle. Uh, last time I checked the on three consensus rankings, they were at 25. I know, I'm not sure if that has changed one or two spots, uh, but they're around that general area. Even if Michigan has a magical close like they did last cycle where Uh, They really were one of the true winners of the early signing period. I'm not even sure if that's enough to get them into the top 10 this cycle. I think top 15 is reasonable. I think if Michigan goes out there and uh, beats Ohio State again and gets to the college football playoff, wins the Big Ten championship, then, yeah, I think top 15 is very realistic. I think they could be on the verge of top 10, but they're going to have a lot of ground to make up. And this cycle has just been so weird with NIL and and how things are changing so rapidly. Uh, You obviously had a lot of off-season movement as well with coaches – 
changing job titles. Like you had Ron Bellamy go from safeties to, to wide receivers. You had Jay Harbaugh switch over to the defensive side of the ball. So I think there's just been a lot of moving parts. On top of that, you had the, the Jim Harbaugh NFL flirtation that lasted for several months. I think that had an effect on Michigan's start. Um, but down the stretch, I'm, I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, Michigan does anything on the NIL front, how much uh, that affects schools. Um, as we head closer to signing day, like you're seeing rival Michigan State, right? They went all in on NIL early on. And they've had a, a couple of decommits here recently by Job is making an official visit to Alabama. So for some schools <laughs> that invested in NIL really early, it's not working out for them either. So I think this is just a convoluted recruiting cycle and it's going to take a little bit of time for everyone to get adapted. But, uh, you know, as the old saying, winning cures goes, winning cures all. And I think Michigan will have a great, great class in 2024, especially if they're able to land Jaden Davis. Let's go to the uh, next question. Uh, this one comes from Ross Hickson. Do we have a legit chance to land Chris Peel? Yes, Chris Peel, top 100 cornerback out of Charlotte, Providence Day, a teammate of uh, Jaden Davis. I think Michigan has really surged in this recruitment, thanks in large part to Steve Klingscale, Michigan's co-defensive coordinator, Um Clink, to, Clink has developed a great personal connection with Peel. In fact, when I went out to see Peel two weeks ago, I asked him several questions about Michigan uh, and kind of just wanted him to expand more on the program itself. And he always just found himself talking about Clink. That's how great of a job Clink has done uh, with him. And I think looking at Michigan right now, something that's really appealing to Peel is there are no DB commits, right? When you look at Georgia, which is considered uh, has been considered the favorite for a lot of the recruiting cycle and is still very much in the mix. He's planning to make an unofficial visit to Georgia. He used an official visit to Georgia in the summer. Uh, when you look at Georgia, they already have several high-profile defensive back commits. Uh, Daniel Harris, who's a top 100 recruit. Uh, Justin Red, who is a, a former Notre Dame commit. So uh, I know they have uh, one or two more, I believe. So there's uh, a lot of talent in the secondary already this recruiting cycle that obviously didn't hurt Michigan last cycle. You saw Michigan have a historic defensive back haul with several high profile guys jumping in. But I think the pitch to peel, Hey, we don't have any DB commits. You're our guy. Like you're our number one guy. You don't, you don't have to go over to Georgia and join a crowded secondary. You can come over to Michigan and be the guy this cycle. And the thing with Peel and why he's such a high priority target, and you look at the rankings here, they're all over the place. On three has them ranked as the number 70 overall prospect in the country. Um, 24-7 and ESPN have them in the 200s. And then <laughs> Rivals has them as a three-star, which is kind of funny. Um, but I think uh, the answer is kind of somewhere in the middle. Uh, after seeing Peel, I had him graded as a, a top 200 kid for sure. Uh, but Michigan traditionally has recruited taller, longer corners. I think 6'1", 190 is very generous for Peel. I think he's a, a little thinner and a little shorter than that. But the thing that really makes Peel appealing is his speed. Michigan wants to get faster at the cornerback position. Peel runs a 10-7-8. Uh, fellow top cornerback target Jair Hill 
also runs uh, a t- in the 10 sevens in the 100 meters. So both track kids, they want to get faster. And that's why Peel and, and Jair are the uh, top guys on that cornerback board, along with uh, Toviano, who we mentioned. But Peel is definitely a realistic target. It looks like he's going to switch his official visit date from UConn uh, to the Hawaii game. So now uh, September 10th, looking like the official visit date for Michigan. Uh, I'm not sure where that leaves uh, some other schools like NC State and South Carolina, who are also slated to get Peel on campus for for OVs. Uh, but either way, I think this is pretty much going to come down to, to Georgia and Michigan. I, I wouldn't discount South Carolina or North Carolina State. They're the more local schools. And hey, they could wow him uh on on the official visits but as it stands right now i think it's it's a michigan georgia battle for sure and a lot will depend on these september trips actually peel is going to make a commitment right after he makes all his visits in september he told me he hopes to have uh an announcement made right when the month ends so we'll see how that turns out let's go to another question um are you concerned with Michigan not taking another quarterback in 2023. This one comes from Brian uh, Powie. Hopefully I said that last name correctly. Yes and no. Um, You know, you look at the roster right now, if JJ McCarthy starts the next few years, you can pop Jaden Davis back in. You could get maybe a, a guy from the portal to provide some depth. I mean, I personally would like to take a a quarterback every year would be my philosophy. If, if I were the coach, I obviously don't get paid as much as Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I think 2023 is a good year to take a guy like Brady Drogosh, who's committed to Cincinnati, who's a local prospect that can do a lot with his legs uh, and, and just provides an athletic upside uh, a really high ceiling so i would like to take a guy like that but this late in the cycle there just aren't a ton of options you don't want to take a guy just to take a guy i really think drogosh is the guy that makes the most sense i can't really think of a lot of others that i would like to see uh michigan get back in the mix with or, or take a closer look at um i think if you are able to get Jaden davis in 2024 then 2023 won't really matter. You'll find your depth one way or another. And then 2025, I mentioned earlier in the show, there are just a lot of good options. You you have Bryce Underwood, you have Ryan Montgomery, you have Stone Saunders, you have Cutter Bowley. All these guys have already visited Michigan. So I think you're off to a really good start really early on with the 2025 signal callers. If you get your guy in Davis in, in 2024, then I think you're fine. Looks like IJ is back with another quarterback question. Uh, so a related question here. Do you think Michigan tries to take two quarterbacks in 2024? If so, it's Jaden Davis and who? Isaiah Marshall? Or do they take only one and pursue Underwood heavy in 2025? Um, so the really cool thing that I like about Jaden Davis is he is absolutely not afraid of competition. So when I went out to see him in Vegas, one of the first questions I asked him, and this is before Dante Moore had committed to Oregon. Uh, one of the first questions I asked Davis was, if Dante Moore commits to Michigan, will that stop you from making future visits to Michigan and considering the Wolverines? And he said, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, I, I think Jaden Davis has a lot of confidence. He's really a business-like kid, so he doesn't really love the media. He doesn't, you know do anything to hype himself up. Uh, if you notice, there's been so many Jaden Davis stories written 
And like he hardly retweets anything. He just he's all about football. He's all about business. And that's why he can relate so well to Matt Weiss. You know, uh, with the Dante Moore recruitment, I thought Weiss struggled to build a personal relationship with Moore, who who really wanted uh, that connection off the field. I don't think Jaden Davis cares if he has a true connection. Of course, he wants to like his coaches, but he, he puts such a premium on NFL development and just the game of football. And I, I know Jim Harbaugh absolutely has to love that. And that's why they've connected so well on his visits. And Matt Weiss has to absolutely love that. You know, Matt Weiss isn't known as a relationship builder. That's not why Michigan hired him. They hired him because he was a, a brilliant football mind who was great at, at uh, analytics. And so I, I think Jaden Davis loves what both of those guys bring from an, from an experience standpoint uh, and just a resume standpoint. He has continuously met mentioned that um, that Harbaugh's uh, experience playing the quarterback position in the NFL as well as coaching in the NFL is really appealing to him. So I, I think two quarterbacks in 2024 would be a possibility as far as who would be the uh, 2020, the other 2024 quarterback, if that were to happen. Uh, first of all, I think priority number one is just getting Davis on board first, and then you figure it out after that. But if Davis is comfortable with bringing in uh, a second quarterback, uh, you know, I think Isaiah Marshall, we'll see how he kind of progresses his season. I know he had a big game in the opener. Uh, I know Isaiah has uh, been on the radar for several years. Michigan offered him as a middle schooler. Uh, he is a little on the short side and and not super dynamic with his legs, but he has a really good arm and he can obviously put up numbers. But I think the dream situation the guy that I would love for Michigan to pair with Jaden Davis is Michael Van Buren out of Baltimore, St. Francis. Uh, Van Buren made an unofficial visit to Michigan in the offseason. Uh, like Marshall, he's on the shorter side. The difference there is he is a dynamite athlete. He has tremendous escapability. Uh, he can make a ton of plays with his legs. He's really good at throwing the football on the move, has a beautiful deep ball. He showed up to Under Armour's Future 50 event this summer on a 48-hour notice and outperformed five-star quarterback Malachi Nelson. He was absolutely snubbed for that MVP award at Future 50. And Michael Van Buren is a guy who was completely unranked um, at this time last year. And I have continued to be the driving force of the Michael Van Buren fan club. And as you can see in these rankings, he has completely vaulted up. He's 52 on ESP at 61 on Rivals, top 150 on 24-7, uh, top 200 on On3. I mean, he is one of the biggest risers in the rankings. If Michael Van Buren were two or three inches taller, I mean, he would be he might be ranked ahead of Jaden Davis, to be completely honest. Um but, you know, as it stands right now, I think height's really the only concern. Michigan has a lot of ties to St. Francis. Obviously, with Biff on staff, you have many players on the roster. Blake Corum, Derek Bourne, Nakai Hill-Green. Um, I, I think that Baltimore-St. Francis pipeline uh, could definitely continue in the future. And, and I think Van Buren's a really, really interesting candidate. Um, whether Van Buren would want to join a guy like Jaden Davis or whether Jaden Davis would 
be comfortable taking a guy uh, like Van Buren is something that remains to be seen. Um, obviously, we're talking hypotheticals, but I, I think that would be the dream scenario. If you get Davis and Van Buren, that's, to me, a win over Dante and CJ Carr, as much as I love Dante, um, I think a combo of Davis and Van Buren beats out a, a combo of Moore and Carr and Michigan comes out on top. Uh, but again, that's that's more of a dream. We'll see what it kind of shakes out with quarterback recruiting. Let's go to some more uh, questions. Uh, huge. <laughs> um, I won't say the username, but who is the next Michigan commit? Um, I think that's a little tough. I think guys like uh, Chris Peel, who wants to make a decision in September, could be next. I think a guy like Mikey Matthews, if they decide to push for him on his official visit, three-star wide receiver out of California, he could be a guy that just jumps on board on the visit. Uh, Jair Hill could decide at any time. It's It seems like it's June, it's July, it's August, it's September. It's the Drew Kendall situation all over again. Uh, but I think a lot will depend uh, on his return visit for an unofficial. He just is coming off an unofficial visit to Illinois, and that remains uh, a little more of a head-to-head battle. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think there is a true candidate uh, to commit right away in 2023. I think there are a multitude uh, of candidates that could jump on board. We'll just have to see how the official visits play out. You have to remember, um, you know, the entire NCAA is coming off a dead period. So I think Michigan will look to regain momentum this fall as guys make it to campus. And like I mentioned, you'll see uh, UConn, um, Hawaii, Maryland games. They'll have some, some guys on campus. And then I think when you can really see recruiting ramp up is for those monster games in October against Penn State and Michigan State. Let's go ahead and head off to another question. Um, should we be cautiously optimistic about Jaden Davis? Who are the other big players in his recruitment? This comes from Chase Beckman. Uh, well, yeah, you should. I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm very optimistic when it comes to Jaden Davis. I've laid out the reasons why on this show. I mean, he made a couple of visits in the summer. We'll be back for Hawaii. I mean, in an ideal world, Michigan can close on him um, here in a couple of weeks when he gets on campus. Uh, I think right now Michigan is far and away the leader. It's just going to be up to, to Harbaugh to find a way to close. Uh, we kind of have a theme at the Wolverine where we say the longer, the better for Michigan. And this one, it's the complete opposite. The, the sooner, the better uh, for Michigan as to not let others get involved. But to answer your question, you know, Georgia is a school that's that's very involved with Davis. They hosted in for a visit um, this offseason. And right now it looks like Julian Sayan might be uh, ahead of Davis on the board, but you definitely can't discount Georgia if they make a run. And, and Davis is originally from Georgia, so that's something to monitor as well. Clemson is another school to keep an eye on. Um, not being too far away from where he lives right now in North Carolina. Uh, Clemson, obviously, in South Carolina. I think uh, the regional pool, uh, Clemson's recent success, uh, I think, has his attention. He made a visit there this summer as well. North Carolina is a little bit of a dark horse in in his recruitment. I believe they're scheduled to get him on campus for an unofficial visit. 
Um, Alabama has been a little more involved, though I don't know how serious uh, the Crimson Tide are with Davis. But uh, those are some others. I know he wants to get to LSU for an unofficial visit at some point this fall. So um, we'll see kind of how all that shakes out. But I think he's Michigan's to lose right now. Let's go ahead and head off to a, another question. Um, is wide receiver recruiting over for 2023? No, you still have Mikey Matthews on the board. Uh, three-star wide receiver from California that basically nobody ever talks about. Um, but Mikey Matthews is a really good little player, man. I got a chance to see him at the Pylon National Championships in Chicago this summer, and he was one of the best wide receivers there. Uh, he led his team to the Final Four. He's quick. He's explosive. Um, he's a guy that can play on the outside, but can also line up in the slot. I actually think he's a little more of a slot, but he's a guy that Michigan really likes. I mean, he brings the speed, he brings the quickness in, in short space. I know speed and space is dead, um, but that's kind of what he brings to the table. I think if you couple him with a guy like Samaj Morgan, you have two really explosive slot types that, that can also split out wide when needed. Uh, Matthew's coming in for an official visit here in September. And like I said earlier in the show, if Michigan makes a concerted effort to land him, I think that they, they definitely can't. Uh, another interesting note with Mikey Matthews is he actually grew up uh, as a childhood friend of Michigan defensive lineman Mason Graham. And if you are following the football team, which I'm assuming you are, Mason Graham is set to start as a true freshman, which has to be big. I know Mason uh, is in the ear of Mikey Matthews, so that's something uh, to watch as well. But Mikey Matthews still on the board. Jalen Brown <laughs> still quietly on the board. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he uh, makes a, a, a visit to Michigan this fall. Um, and then, yeah, you have a couple others that, that could Bellamy could circle back to. I, I think he kind of is waiting and seeing after missing on Sadiq what bigger wide receivers pop up. Michigan still wants some size on the outside. And that transitions over to Corey Ward, who asks, can you provide any insight as to why you still think Jalen Brown may still be an option for Michigan and wide receiver. So I just mentioned Jalen Brown, top 100 wide receiver who just committed uh, to LSU this summer, was very high on Michigan, made multiple visits to Michigan um, throughout his entire recruitment, and then kind of abruptly committed to LSU, which was disappointing. But, you know, little birdies have said that a fall visit is, you know, possible. So if he does get to campus, which I'm assuming will be on the low for the most part, then I think there's a, there's a chance there. I know that, um, Jalen's father in particular is very high on Michigan and has loved his visits. Jalen himself has really enjoyed his visits. Uh, I know he still has a good connection with Ron Bellamy. Um, and if Michigan wins on the field, I think that's really, really going to catch his, attention. On top of that, you have kind of a, a bit of a secret weapon in Desmond Howard, who has served as a bit of a volunteer coach at his high school, Gulliver Prep, where his kids go to school. And, and I know Howard has been a bit of a mentor to Brown. I know he has uh, had conversations with Jalen's father as well. So, you know, if Jalen does make it to campus this fall, and that's all I'll say right now, watch out. Um, let's go ahead and go to another question. Um, with the transfer portal, does it really matter what Michigan's uh, recruiting class is? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously Michigan has 
had some success in the transfer portal, but with Michigan's uh, academic requirements, you always need a strong recruiting class. You're not guaranteed to get every transfer you want just from you know a transfer recruiting perspective. And sometimes when you do get guys you want, there's academic holdups. Um, it'll be interesting to see if new president Santa Ono uh, makes changes to, to the academic restrictions on athletics so Michigan can have a better time in the transfer portal. But as things stand right now, yeah, Michigan absolutely has to continue to land uh, strong recruiting classes. It's always been uh, the backbone of, of the program. So yeah, no, I don't think the uh, transfer portal has, um, has changed anything in regards to how Michigan really approaches recruiting. Um, let's go ahead and go off to another question. Uh, last question for me, uh, Chase Speckman, he says, do you think Yabi Anoma will make an impact or live up to expectations he had coming out of high school? So this one, a little more of a, a team question, but, um, you know, I didn't get a chance to to cover Iabi as a recruit, but I know he was very highly regarded. I spent some time at St. Francis this offseason, and even when I was asking about uh, Michigan freshman Derek Moore, Iabi was was popping up as a guy that uh, was one of the best pass rushers that that staff at St. Francis had ever seen. Uh, obviously, Michigan took a chance for him on him uh, for a reason. I know he had some off the field issues that he needed to clean up. Um, but yeah, I, I think if there's a school that can get the most out of Monoma with the, the track record uh, of edge guys and having the St. Francis connections, then yeah, I think Michigan can get something out of him. I'm interested to see how he plays this fall, considering he came in late. And kudos to Anthony Broom, our team reporter who broke the, no the news on Iabi Anoma. Uh, so that's an, another reason to subscribe to the Wolverine.com. Right now you're getting a taste of everything I kind of know on the recruiting side, but for the full insider intel, make sure to subscribe to the Wolverine.com. $1 for one year, like it says below. Let's go ahead and go off to another question. If we have some, our uh, producer Matt is handling um, questions on the back end. Um, not sure if we do, um, but it, I think I've answered all of the questions. It looks like I'm scrolling through the, the comments here. Um, if you guys have any more questions, go ahead and ask them in the comments and I'll be sure to answer. Um, if not, we'll go ahead and touch on some topics that I kind of had mapped out that <laughs> I never got to. Um, looking at my uh, my notes here, I feel bad for our producer because we never got to any of these topics. Uh, let's circle back to Nicholas Arbor. He was uh, uh, at the top of the show, and I see another question coming in from Kevin who's asking about Harbor. Um, if you missed early in the show, yes, I do think South Carolina is a major player for Harbor, but still a long way to go in that recruitment. Uh, a lot is going to be decided on official visits. I think Michigan, LSU, South Carolina uh, are at the very top of, of, of Harbor's wish list uh, with some others still involved as well, like Maryland. So we'll see how it all kind of uh, shakes out. But in terms of you know, just Harbor himself. I, I had a chance to see him this weekend for the first time in an actual football setting. Now, I'd been out to Washington, D.C. I'd seen Harbor on several occasions, um, but this is the first time I saw him in a football setting. He was always, thank you, Chase. He was always um, doing track stuff or just doing school stuff. Um, but 
I was just shocked, you know, not, not really shocked. When you, when you look at Harbor, you looked at the, look at the athletic profile, right? He's six foot five, he's two twenty five. He runs a 10, two, eight, 100 meter, but still just seeing him live at that size with that speed in a football uniform, making plays is just kind of, man, it, he's such an anomaly, right? Like he's an athletic freak. He's a, a an athletic marvel. Um, I love Harbor um, as an edge. I think he's a guy that can be a number one overall pick in the NFL draft someday uh, as an edge. And, you know, we pulled up the rankings again. He's ranked as the number one athlete in the country across the board by all recruiting services, a five-star on three of the four services with ESPN having a terrible ranking of a four-star. Harbor is a clear five-star just on athletic potential alone. Uh, I have covered recruiting for 10 years and I've never seen an athletic specimen like Harbor. But again, I really like him as an edge. I mean, the speed off the ball is insane. I mean, there there was a point or one play in particular against Gonzaga, which is great competition, both, both teams, uh, two of the best in the DMV. Um, there was a play where Harbor was in the backfield like uh nanosecond after the ball was snapped and he recorded a tackle for loss. Um, I mean, again, that speed off the edge is unreal. Uh, but the thing about power is, I mean, the thing about Harbor is he also has power. He's six foot five, two twenty five, And he went head to head a few times, not as much as I would have liked against Michigan offensive line commit, Evan Link. And Link did a really good job with Harbor, but there was one rep in particular at the end of the first half where Harbor just completely overpowered him, put Link on his back and recorded a sack. And so that was great to see. Uh, So I definitely think, again, Harbor can be a top level NFL draft pick as an edge when you look at him on the offensive side of the ball. And that's where he's leaning towards playing. He wants to, you know, protect his body a bit for track. I think there's still more work to do on the offensive side of the ball. I think uh, from a defensive perspective, I, I feel like he could, go in and play right away as a true freshman uh, from the offensive side of the ball. Again, he's such a freak, the size, the speed. I think he can throw him on the outside and have him run go routes. I think he can be a mismatch in the red zone, but uh, he still has to work on some technique things. Just his releases aren't all that great. His route running needs some improvement. He's, he didn't appear to be a natural pass catcher. Um, but I think all those things can improve uh, at the next level with the right coaching. And, you know, especially with a guy like Ron Bellamy, who's played the position in the NFL, I think that uh, who better to learn from, right? Um as far as you know where i would see him again i think you can throw him on the outside in certain situations i really like him as a tight end i mean a lot of people have questioned his blocking but i have no question marks about his blocking i'm more concerned about the the route running and and the hands than i am about the the blocking i saw him play a lot of inline for archbishop carroll this weekend and he had no issue being physical he was actually matched up a couple of times in run blocking against dd holmes who's the top 100 defensive lineman in the 2024 recruiting class and harbor was driving him back and, and opening up holes and he looked great from a tactical standpoint blocking as well so i don't i, I don't think 
there's any issue with Harvard's blocking. I think he has to get more comfortable as an actual pass catcher, uh, but he has the potential to be kind of a Kyle Pitts type of guy in the sense that he can create so many mismatches from a traditional uh, tight end standpoint. He can also split out wide. He can also play in the slot. Again, like I said, he's is an athletic marvel, man. You just find a way to, to get him on the field. He was super, super impressive. Um, it looks like we have uh, some more questions down here. Uh, this one comes from Don Hilden, and he asked, does Michigan have any shot with any elite running backs in the next couple of classes? Um as it stands right now, when you look at this recruiting class, Michigan already has two running backs. So Cole Cabana and Benjamin Hall, um, kind of a thunder and lightning there. Benjamin Hall is a bigger back at, at five foot 10, 227 pounds, really a bowling ball type that uh, loves to run between the tackles, extremely physical, punishing runner. He would fit, if you were making a Michigan comparison, he would fit uh, kind of the Hassan Haskins mold. And that's kind of the same thing for CJ Stokes, who's coming, who's on the roster now as a true freshman and joined uh, the team late, but is already making uh, some waves as the potential third back behind Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Um, but when you look at Hall, I don't think he's an elite level back, but I think he fits what you like um, in terms of what Michigan looks for at the running back position. I kind of likened him uh, to former Atlanta Falcons and San Diego Chargers uh, running back Michael Turner. Uh, I think he kind of reminds me of, of him quite a bit. Uh, and then you look at the flip side of the coin and you have Cole Cabana and Man, he uh, he can fly. So he runs uh, in the 10 six, 10.6s or 10.5s in the 100 meter. I'm not sure what his PR was um, this offseason, but he can go. Um, he's ascended up the rankings as well. Um, on ESPN, he's a top 125 prospect. He's an on 300 prospect on on three in the top 300 and on rivals and then a, a four star on 24 seven. So he's a consensus four star. He's a four star across the board. My concern with Cabana is he doesn't have the stature to be an every down back that's running between the tackles, but that's fine. Michigan always utilizes multiple backs. They'll do that this year with Quorum and Edwards. They did that last year. Um, with Corn and Haskins and, and a little bit of uh, of Donovan as well. Um, so I think Cabana, with that speed, you find a place for him, right? I think Cabana, you can line up in the backfield, you can line up in the slot, you can split him out wide, you can use him as a punt returner, you can use him as a kick returner. I think the packages and the play calling for Cabana is limitless. He had 300 total offensive yards in his season opener this weekend and really, really impressed. So um, I think I don't I'm not saying Cabana is an elite, elite level guy, but he's certainly a very quality prospect at the running back position and provides position flexibility, like I just mentioned. But looking at former classes or, or I mean, future classes, I'm sorry, um, it doesn't look like Michigan is involved with too many top, top guys in, in 2024 right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who emerges as top candidates there. Uh, Mike Hart obviously is a legend at Michigan, uh, but I think he just really trusts his evaluations. I don't think he cares about the rankings or how many offers guys have. He's really looking at guys that fit 
what he wants. And Cabana and Benjamin Hall fit exactly uh, what he wants. And I don't think Mike Hart is the guy that loves recruiting. He's not going to be super active when it comes to the recruiting trail. He's not going to be really out there. Um doing a ton with area recruiting or helping out with other positions. But I can tell you that Mike Hart can coach the hell out of running backs. And I think that the guy can evaluate. And so he has a certain type of back and um, he has a track record of, uh, of developing guys. So, and finding some gems, he, he found a couple, uh, you know, in his previous stops. So I'm not sure that Mike Hart cares a lot about finding elite backs. I think he cares a lot about finding uh, guys that fit the Mike Hart profile. Let's go ahead and go to another question. This one comes from Brian uh, Powie. Why do you think with all the success of edge guys and putting them in the NFL, why do we struggle to get high-rated recruits, five stars, etc.? Um, it's a good question. Yeah, this is this 2023 class nationally was absolutely loaded at edge, and Michigan did miss on a couple of guys that were very highly rated. Um, I think, like I said earlier in the show, this cycle is so unique with NIL, and there were so many moving parts this offseason with the coaching staff and with Harbaugh and the NFL, and you also had a new defensive line coach in Mike Elston, who's a terrific evaluator and absolutely loves to recruit. That's why he's given, been given the title of recruiting coordinator. But I think with all those moving parts and especially NIL becoming so much of a factor for guys in the top 100, I think it's just going to be tough. Uh, like I said, Michigan's going to have to try to figure something out there. But the guys they have coming in at the edge position this cycle are great. I mean, I love this this edge class at Mich- coming in for Michigan has the highest upside of any edge class in the entire country. You look at Eno Etta, he's a top 150 prospect on on three. He's only been playing the game of football for three years. He absolutely dominates his competition, which is a little bit on the, the lower end in the state of Texas, but absolutely dominant. A former soccer player with great feet, just a huge kid already at six foot four, 250 pounds. Um, they love what he brings to the table. They see him fitting in perfectly as an Aiden Hutchinson type. And then you look at Collins Anchiampong, and he's a freak show, six foot eight, 260 pounds. I mean, he is humongous. He actually reminds me of a, of a guy I covered way back when at SMU, Marcus Hunt, who turned into a second round NFL draft pick. I think Anchiampong might even have a higher floor than that Marcus was six foot eight and he had never played football in his life he's a a former uh thrower in track that gave football a try and when you look at Achiampong he's only played one year of organized football um He's a native of Ghana. He came to the United States to play basketball. So he actually shares a similar story as David Ajabo. Um, and that's a, a big reason he uh, he committed to Michigan is looking at guys like Hutchinson, looking at guys like Ajabo um, and, and the production that they had at Michigan and the way they were developed at Michigan. And he thinks he can have that type of, of uh, ceiling. And so do I. Um, everything is there from an athletic standpoint for Antium Pong. Uh, to be a high-level producer at Michigan. And then on top of that, he's really surged up the rankings as well. He's looked really impressive in um, in off-season events. And 
He recently transferred uh, to Rancho Santa Margarita in the Trinity League out in California, which is the toughest high school league uh, in America. And I think uh, playing at that level of competition is going to help out Anchin Pong a lot. And he's already off to a really good start. I uh, believe he had a a couple of sacks this weekend. I know he had a sack in his opener. So, um, you know, being away from the game for two years and only having one year of experience total. Uh, I think that's a, a hell of a start for Anshin Pong. And then you look at, uh, Americ Kumba out of France, uh, an international prospect that nobody knows a lot about, but he was great on the camp circuit. Uh, he performed in front of Mike Elston at a satellite camp, earned an offer on the spot, uh, I think he's a, another guy with just a high upside. You don't really know. He's a little bit of a mystery, uh, but I think that the measurables are there and the camp clips are extremely impressive. And there's no better guy to develop them than Mike Elson, who had a great track record of doing so at Notre Dame. And then obviously you have uh, Michigan's great strength and conditioning program uh, with Ben Herbert and just the uh, overall productions of edges recently. Uh, Let's go ahead and go over to our next question. Rich Whitman, who asks any chance uh, or any chance you can touch on Joseph Mapoyi now. So Joseph Mapoyi uh, was an odd 300 edge out of Archbishop Carroll, same high school as Nicholas Harbor. So um, Mapoy only had one year of football playing experience, so kind of similar to the guys I just talked about. Um, he had some issues off the field, uh, not not from a behavioral standpoint. Absolutely great kid. Uh, just some things to take care of with his transcripts. Um, and, and he was a little bit on the older side, having moved from Africa um, to play basketball in the United States. So he's actually at a prep school now in Connecticut at St. Thomas More. He's an on 300 prospect. He has a ton of upside. I really like Joseph. I think right now there isn't a lot of movement with Michigan as he continues to figure out his transcript such situation at his prep school. But come December, I think he's a guy that we can definitely talk about and revisit. But right now, just too many uh, moving parts. Let's go ahead and head over to another question. Um, This one comes from Kevin, and he asked, do you have any insight on Denard Robinson pertaining to recruiting? I haven't heard much about him since he was hired. Um, So Denard is in the uh, player personnel department, which means he has a lot of team responsibilities. Uh, It's not super recruiting focused, so he's not – the new Courtney Morgan per se, right? Like he, he wears many hats. And then on top of that, he's a guy that missed a lot of time this off season and was away from the program due uh, to personal issues. So I won't get too much into Denard, but I know he has or is rejoining the program here as we get into the season and should have more of a role in recruiting as we move forward. We have about five minutes left uh, on the live show here. Let's see if you guys can get in your final questions. This one comes from Cartier Rick, who says, how good is Stokes, Michigan's uh, freshman running back, CJ Stokes, uh, out of Columbia, South Carolina, who was a signing last cycle. Uh, so I had a chance to go out and spend some time with CJ in South Carolina last cycle. Didn't get to see him in game, but went out uh, when his team 
was practicing. Uh, they actually had a heat advisory, so I didn't get to see too much. But I can tell you that CJ's built like a tank, man. He has a really impressive uh, lower half. He's on the shorter side, but uh, man, he, he has such an impressive muscular build. Not only in that lower half, I mean, his upper half is just as impressive. Kind of similar to the guy I just talked about, Benjamin Hall, Michigan's 2023 running back commit. So that's the type of back that Mike Hart really likes. He likes to dip into the Southeast and he likes to look for bowling ball type of backs. CJ Stokes can do that. I actually like CJ Stokes a little more than I like Benjamin Hall. I think Stokes had, has a little more wiggle, has a little more explosion, can do a little more as a pass catcher. But, um, you know, I had Stokes graded as a high three star, but I think he can exceed those rankings. It's unfortunate that I wasn't able to see him uh, in game uh, due to some travel conflicts. And then, like I said, the heat advisory when I went to go out to his practice. Uh, But he's a guy that I, I definitely think again, can exceed the rankings. Um, And I think he'll have a shot to play as a true freshman uh, as a third down back. I was never a fan of Tavier Dunlap. I did not like my evaluation of him at all. Um, And I think he's kind of uh, struggled a little bit since arriving in Ann Arbor. And then after that, you have a a walk on. So I think Stokes uh, can quickly ascend as a third back and get a, a few reps behind Corum and Edwards, especially early on in the season, Michigan's cupcake schedule, Colorado State, Hawaii, uh, UConn will afford some opportunities for Stokes. Um, let's go ahead and go to another question. This one comes from Rich Whitman again, who's really uh, dominating the chat. So glad to have you here, uh, Rich. And he says, if NIL wasn't a thing uh, in this class, what do you think uh, Michigan's ranking would be right now? Uh, so that's really hard to project, obviously, because NIL is a thing. But uh, I think in a perfect world, had Harbaugh not done the interview with the Vikings and had uh, there not been as much staff movement, I, I think Michigan would have had to had a chance to contend for a top three class. Like I really do. Uh, but you did have the Harbaugh situation. You did have the movement with the staff. You do have NIL running way, way wild, more wild than we even anticipated. So it's tough. I mean... I think realistically, if there was no NIL and there would have just been um, off-season movement, then I think that top 10 would have been very realistic. Um, But other than that, I mean, not too much else to say. I mean, NIL is here. It looks like it's here to stay. And so Michigan's going to have to figure out a way to get around that. Um, Let's go ahead and head to some of our final questions here. Only two minutes left on the show Cameron Clark, he says, how good is Mason Graham? It's crazy. He's a starter as a freshman. Love Mason Graham. I told you guys. I actually got in trouble last cycle for beating down or beating a dead horse saying Mason Graham needed to move up in the rankings. I was very passionate in my, I should say, very passionate in my writings where I said, there's no way that Mason Graham is a three-star. Like, it was an absolute garbage ranking. I mean, this is a kid that, no, he doesn't have, like, this amazing NFL upside, and he does have shorter arms, whatever. He was super productive. I talked about the Trinity League earlier in the show uh, with Collins and Chimpong now playing in it. Um, Mason Graham started for Servite, which is an absolutely great program out in Southern California, and he was dominant. He was the 
best defensive player uh, on the field uh, last season in the Trinity League. Uh, I believe he was the LA Times defensive MVP. Um, when I went out to see him live uh, in game against Modern Day, which is obviously a national powerhouse with a ton of elite level D1 prospects, he was terrific. I was like, "How is this guy not going to uh, not going to rise up the rankings?" I don't care about his measurables, and I, I really don't care about NFL potential. I care about what you're going to do at the college level. I remember having a call with a coworker, and the coworker was like, "Oh, you know." They're mad that you're continuing to say that the rankings are wrong with Mason Graham. And I was like, watch, Mason Graham is going to have an amazing career at Michigan. I don't know where he's going to be taken in the NFL draft, but mark my words that Mason Graham will have a great career at Michigan. He's just, it's a perfect fit for him and he's so productive. And Mason Graham went out, I actually went out to the spring game uh, to get some photos for us at the Wolverine. And um, I got a chance to be on the field, obviously. And Mason Graham had a terrific spring game. He's got nothing but, you know, rave reviews all offseason long. He earned that starting position. I'm super happy for Mason Graham. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Get out of here with three-star Mason Graham. He was a monster land last cycle. All right, we'll end the show there, guys. Thank you so much for joining the first ever edition of the Wolverine uh, recruiting show, or the live show. Um is our first one. Thank you all for asking your questions. As always, if you want more insider information, uh, make sure to subscribe to the Wolverine.com right now. $1 for one year. We'll see you guys next week.